0: Signature win from Mike Anderson. Welcome to the Seeing Red Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Seeing Red Podcast. My name is Troy Moriello and I am your host. Bringing you up to date and up to speed on all things St. John's basketball. And we come to you late on this Thursday night, the 9th of December, as St. John's opens up the Gotham Classic with a win over the Monmouth Hawks. They take down Monmouth 88 to 83 at Karnasek Arena, pushing their record to seven and two on the season. The Red Storm win their second straight after being blown out by Kansas last Friday night at UBS Arena. They build on the win on Sunday against Fordham with their five-point win over Monmouth and To this point in the season, and I don't really think you can even question this, uh, that's the most impressive, or not most impressive, but the best team that St. John's has beaten all season. Uh, by far it's technically a a quad two win right now with Monmouth, I think 41st in the net rankings. Uh, It won't stay that way, but you know, a quad two win right now for the red storm uh, as they get. Yeah. What is really their, the best team that they've beaten uh, all season long to this point, which is again, not really saying much, but it is. And I don't really think you can question that, but the process of getting to this win, certainly not very impressive. Very uneasy, very inconsistent again. Just another uneven performance from St. John's. Another performance that's not really going to inspire you, I don't think. And that continues a trend now, which has basically been a month of this season where, you know, since the Indiana game, you really don't have a performance that was a full 40 minutes that you can hang your hat on and say, that was St. John's basketball. That was what we thought this team was going to be this season. You've had spurts. You've had halves. You've had parts of games that have looked that way, but you have not had a full game, and that continued tonight. You know, no one was expecting this to be a 20, 30-point blowout like some of the other games that were not, you know, against St. Francis and against FDU and NJIT when those spreads were in the 20s and you were playing close games against those teams. No one was expecting that. The spread in this game, I believe, was, what, 7 or 8? Which, by the way, if you're a gambling man or woman bet against st john's because they haven't covered in a a month now basically i don't think since the indiana game what's that six in a rona that they've they failed to cover uh so just you know put put a pin in that one but you know we didn't expect this to that this was going to be a blowout i don't think anyone thought that but the way that you got to this win in my opinion just just wasn't all that impressive you know you had uh a decent sized lead for a majority of this second half you had a a 10 an 11 a 12 point lead and it just felt like every single time this game got to a point where you were fully comfortable where you said all right they're gonna run away with it now it went the other way and that 12 point lead went down to eight or that 11 point lead went down to seven how many times did we see that in this second half and then obviously at the end of the game which i'll get to in a moment the end of the game an 8 point lead going down to 2 in about 30 seconds it just didn't it was not a very inspiring performance it's not a performance that's going to make you say this team is on the right path they're getting wins credit that they're not losing these games but they're just me personally and I would assume a lot of people listening they're not doing much at this point that's making me feel like this team is going to be where we thought they were going to be at the end of the year now you can't make statements like that. They have an entire 20-game Big East slate to figure it out. But unless they get something going on Sunday against Colgate, or unless they get something going on December 18th against Pittsburgh, they're going to go into Big East play without, really, in my opinion, a full 40-minute great performance to hang their hat on. And that's, you know, a little bit scary because you know how, how tough the Big East is going to be this season you know there's room to improve there's room to get better but right now this just doesn't look like a team that we the team that we thought they were going to be that's not a, a, a you know a statement for the entire year you know we hope that this doesn't turn into the 2019 season where that team underachieved really the entire year but right now this just doesn't look like the team that we thought they were going to be there's what 20 25 games to fix that or 22 23 games to fix that including an entire biggie slate to fix that. But right now they just are not playing the way that we thought they were going to play. Let's get into this game a little bit more though. St. John's took a 6-point lead into the half. Uh the lead really right when the second half began ballooned up to 11 or 12 and like I said they were playing, you know, in between that space of, you know, a 6-point lead to a 13-point lead really for the entirety of the second half it felt like which again worries me because you know Monmouth is not this world-beating team. You know Monmouth is is a is a good solid team, but the fact that at home, you know you couldn't make a twelve-point lead or a thirteen-point lead go up to seventeen or go up to twenty to really you know drive the 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 nail in the coffin in this game. There just wasn't that. I don't want to say the killer instinct, but there just wasn't that second gear that you could go to. To really, you know, push yourself and get to like, like I said, get to a lead that you know you're not going to lose—a 17-point lead, a 20-point lead—and that worries me, because as we've seen, time and time again in the Mike Anderson era, and this is, you know, again, I, I think it's starting to become a knock on him as a coach, because we've now seen it for for three plus seasons or two plus seasons that he's been here. This team can't close out close games. They just don't know what to do down the stretch in close games and we saw it again in uh, in this one an eight point lead with 122 to go the one thing that you can't do on defense is give up a quick open three what does st john's do they allow someone to drive for some reason the help defense comes kick it out wide open three five point game one minute to go now Dylan Adewusu, who was fantastic in this game, and I'll get to that in a moment, why are you driving to the basket with 20 seconds to go on the shot clock? Why? Gets a charge. Monmouth comes right back. What what can't you do in that situation? Give up a quick three. What do they do? They foul three-point shooter, and he makes all three free throws. An eight-point lead goes down to two in 30 seconds. And then to top it all off, after they you know they they score, they get the they get the lead back up to four. It goes back down to two. Then why is Dylan Adewusu shooting those free throws? He's about what a 77% free throw shooter. But why is that ball not being inbounded to Champagne or Posh? Don't you want one of those guys shooting the free throws there, up by two? Now now Posh made the incredible play to save it, uh, to really you know ice the game for St. John's for sure. But why is Posh or Champagne not shooting those free throws? Up by two with whatever it was, 20 seconds to go or whatever. It's just little things like that. They just don't seem like they know how to close games out again. And that seems like it's going to be a trend to continue. But getting into some of the performances tonight, uh, I mentioned Dylan Adewusu, and I kind of ripped him there. But you know, I, I don't want that to take away from the fantastic game that he had. Posh Alexander is, it was the leading scorer with 21 points, but I thought Adewusu was the MVP in this game for sure. Scored 11 points, uh, had six rebounds. He was tied for their leading rebounder and dished out seven assists again. Uh, I think that's, what, 18 assists now in his last two games for Adewusu. He's been phenomenal. And I really liked his offensive game tonight, and I thought that he was their MVP of this game, in my opinion. I thought that he he had a more impactful game uh, than Posh Alexander. Posh scored 21. Posh had two steals. Only one assist for Posh in this game. And he made the game-saving play there. But Posh Alexander, is just, he, he's just so relentless on the offensive end. And that's the one thing that I liked about this offense tonight. They only shot 18 three-pointers. They only made six of them. I don't have the stats in front of me in terms of how many points they had in the paint in this game. But, you know, you look at two-point field goals in this game. They shot uh, 26 for, what would it be, 48 or 49 in this game. Pretty good percentage from two-point range. They got a lot uh, They got a lot in the paint. They they forced the ball into the paint. Posh was attacking the basket. Adewusu was attacking the basket all night. Those two guys combined for 32 points. Those guys didn't hit a three-pointer, and they combined for 32 points. And they combined to shoot 11 of 22, 50%. That's the kind of offense that we like. And that's an encouraging sign, right? You only hit six three-pointers in this game as a team, yet you score 88 points. You know, six three-pointers and 18 free throws and you scored 88 points. That That's pretty impressive. And that's an encouraging sign that this team can win games offensively in a variety of different ways. So that's encouraging for sure. Julian Champagny had a quiet game. Uh, 16 points, did have five assists and did have four steals. Went two of six from three-point range but 16 points on 16 shots. Uh, only went six of 16 from the field. Not a banner game for him. Uh, continued his trend of, of slow first halves, only had five points in the first half, put up 11 in the second half. But still, it's it's a trend that's becoming a little bit of a concern now with champenny in terms of him taking time to, 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 to get going in games and not really doing much uh, early in games. And frankly, to me, he just, there still looks like there's something a little bit off with him. I'm not sure what it is. He had the big game against Kansas, or the big, few minutes against Kansas where he couldn't miss but since that Indiana game it just seems like there's something like a beat off with him right now especially shooting the three-pointer again I know it's hard to say that after what you saw him did against do against Kansas but you know that aside it just feels like the last couple of or the last couple of weeks really something's been slightly off with his three-point shooting went two of six today so we'll see if he's able to rebound. Montez Mathis had a nice game with 14 points. Steph Smith hit 13 points. I texted my friend, uh, Steph Smith gave the exact type of game that you want him to give tonight. Now, is he going to go three of four from three-point range, uh, shoot 75% the rest of the way? No. But if Steph Smith can come off the bench and hit two or three three-pointers for you, score you eight, nine, ten points off the bench, that's exactly what I I, I want from Steph Smith. You know, you're not asking Steph Smith to go out there and score 17, 18, 19 points. Be a guy that can average 8, 9 points a game. That's exactly what St. John's needs from him. And he did that tonight. So I thought Steph Smith was kind of in, you know, an underrated role, but I thought he had a good role. Uh, Isaiah Nawaye, after his breakout game on Sunday, uh, was in foul trouble most of this game. Uh, only scored, I believe, one point. Yeah, had one point and two rebounds. He he had the two fouls early in the first half, and then on the first possession of the second half, uh, picked up two more fouls. So I had four fouls really to begin the second half. So, uh, you know, tough to really. Or he had sorry he picked up the one foul right away on the, on the first possession. Uh, so he was in foul trouble for a while uh, in in this game. So tough for him. Omar Stanley had a nice game. Three of five from the field. Six points. Thought that he he he's he's a very. He's a spark plug player, very high energy player. Love him coming off the bench. Joel Soriano, I mean, what are you going to say about him at this point? Um, in my opinion, didn't didn't have a great game. What were his stats? Let me pull them up. Uh, four points. He had six rebounds, four points, one of two from the field, one block. Uh, he just it it just didn't didn't. I, I don't know. I'm starting to really sour on him. Uh, as a player you know I, 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 I'm, I'm worried that he's not going to turn into what you hope that he was uh, had a, had one play where I I'm, can't remember who I think Wusu or Champagny might, might have passed the ball in the post or uh, uh, passing the ball after a switch and he he couldn't handle it and turned it over uh, so I, I'm starting to get a little bit worried that we're not going to see the production that we hoped out of Joel Soriano but we'll see there's a lot of time and talking about the rotation St. John's only plays nine players in this game uh, Pinzone really didn't even play very much. So, I mean, they, they kind of really only went with, with eight, and Stanley didn't play a ton either. So, you're kind of seeing Mike Anderson start to cut the rotation down a little bit as Aaron Wheeler and Tariq Coburn don't even see a second of action in this game. And as far as I know, uh, as I'm recording this, maybe I missed something in the post game, but didn't seem like either guy was battling injury or anything like that uh neither one of them have really played well at all i don't think coburn has hit a three-pointer in about a month and wheeler hasn't played very well either uh in terms of offensively so those two guys are now you know seemingly cut out of the rotation for now or at the very least you know aaron wheeler is now behind uh Obviously Isaiah YA, obviously Joel Soriano, and now Omar Stanley. Seems like he has jumped um, he has jumped Aaron Wheeler in the in the front court rotation. So something to keep an eye on. Not necessarily surprising, but we knew Anderson was gonna have to cut down on this rotation. You're not gonna play eleven deep every single game as much as you want to. You're probably gonna play closer to nine. And right now it looks like Tariq Coburn and Aaron Wheeler are the odd guys out. Uh, will we see those guys get a shot? Maybe against Colgate or against Pitt. We'll see. But yeah, right now that's the rotation. Seems like it's down to uh, down to the, these nine with those two guys right now not included. But. Like I mentioned, an uneven performance, not not an inspiring performance at all. Uh, they go to play Colgate now, who was defeated by Pitt, I believe, in a game that I think Colgate was actually favored in that game. Uh, so, so they'll go to play Colgate on Sunday, and then they go to the Garden to play Pitt the following Saturday. A chance to, you know, get on the right track, just build something, in my opinion, going into. Uh, Going into conference play, you know, because honestly, with with this with this four game stretch after Kansas, when they played Fordham, when they played uh, Monmouth tonight, when they play Colgate on on Sunday, and then Pitt the following Saturday, if you can go four and zero on that stretch, I think that is something positive to build on, in my opinion. But at the same time. Uh, you want to be impressed. You, know, you want to see something from this team that's going to make you feel like you know that they are that you know class of the Big East team that we thought that they would be at the start of the season. Right now, I just I haven't seen that for a full game. I haven't, haven't even really seen that for a full half. A lot of the time, so I want to see them get going. I am like I said, I'm not writing the season off. I'm not doing anything like that. But right now, they just don't look like a very good team. You know, point blank, they just don't look like a very good team right now. You know, and you can't even really say the opponents, you know, are causing that or the the atmosphere is causing that because these are decent teams that they're playing now: Fordham and Monmouth and Colgate and Pitt. You know, these are decent teams in Kansas, and they're still coming out flat and they're still not looking very, you know, impressive. So you can't say, you know, it's the it's the level of competition that they're getting bored with it. You know, this is a trend now where it's been, what, six, seven games in a row that we just haven't seen this team really play up to the level that we think they're capable of. So hopefully they build something over the weekend. Hopefully they get it going over the weekend against Colgate, get some time off, and then they will uh, will play Pitt in, in what might end up being the easiest game of this three-game stretch uh, between Monmouth, Colgate, and Pitt, but we'll see about that. But uh, we'll toss to our interview now. I'm going to bring on John Kavanaugh, who... Uh, come on since i i believe the first season that i've done this uh john's coming on so we're gonna talk to him and get his thoughts on the win over monmouth hope you guys enjoy all right i'm now joined by my man john cavanaugh coming on for i believe what's a fourth straight season on this show not many guys can say that but john can john how are you doing tonight
1: I'm good, Troy. No, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. I think this is the fourth season, so a veteran at this point. But appreciate you uh, having me on as always.
0: Yeah, I think it's just you and and Brendan Myers are the only guys. And I haven't had Brendan on yet this season, but I will. You know, I think you guys are the only you know four year starters for uh, for this podcast. So there's something to be said about that for sure.
1: Absolutely, you know continuity. We're uh, you know the OGs here, so no, it's uh, it's always awesome talking uh, Johnny's basketball with
0: Detroit. Absolutely, absolutely. So we talk about this game tonight—an eighty-eight to eighty-three win uh, for St. John's over Monmouth. Uh, you know, as I said in the open, maybe not necessarily you know a crazy result, but not really impressive the way that they got there. But I want to hear your overall thoughts on on the win for St. John's.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was uh it was a rough game I think. It, it it's a game that, you know, they just it, it just seemed like they were fighting it all night long. I mean, they had some real opportunities to blow this game open, and I feel like that's the story of their season. They just haven't been able to they, they weren't able to step on the gas when they really needed to. You know, they were up 13 at one point. You kind of just felt like that was really uh, the game was going in their favor, and then the lead gets cut to 3 with about a minute minute and a half to go. So, it, it They had some really head-scratching turnovers. They were forcing some bad passes. Um, You know, uh, Shavar Reynolds was keeping Monmouth (laughs) in the game. Um, You know, it seemed like a one-man effort for them, uh, for Monmouth tonight. And despite all that, St. John still barely uh, scratches by. So it just doesn't seem like... Uh, they're winning in impressive fashion. Mm-hmm. They haven't really played that impressive all season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this is an opponent that... Uh, and I know Monmouth was 7-1, uh, I believe, coming yeah. into this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not like... It's one of the better teams they play. crazy enough. I mean, it's a quad-two <laughs> game for them. They've had about 15 quad-four games. <laughs> but... um You know, I I thought they looked good at points, but they just don't show any consistency. There Mm -hmm. was some, you know, they forced some good turnovers. They looked pretty good in transition, but they missed about a million layups under the basket. Uh, Their three-point defense continues to be horrendous. They can't grab a timely rebound. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just some of the things that have really been frustrating all year long just rear their ugly head at the worst times. Uh, And honestly, I think what it came down to tonight was... Pasha Alexander willed this team to victory. He mm-hmm. would not let them lose tonight. He was all over the court. Um, so you have to hand it to him. He really was the big difference uh, in the play.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You hit on the one thing there that that I want to get to. The, the turnovers. They they didn't turn the ball over a ton. St. John's, so that was better. But I think as Zach Braziller said, it just it felt like all of the turnovers for St. John's were costly, like timely, you know, or untimely turnovers. And then they forced Monmouth into eighteen turnovers. It feels like we. Kind Kind of saw them getting back into that rhythm of of forcing turnovers, getting out in transition. But like you mentioned, my God, can they hit a layup? Would they miss four, or five layups in this game? They blew a three on one. I think they blew a two on one. Uh, I I almost thought when Champagne had the had the dunk there, the open court dunk, that he was going to miss the dunk because they just couldn't convert in transition today. It was insane.
1: Yeah, honestly, it seemed like they were too flashy for the own yeah. good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's just they get back to the fundamentals make some layups. they missed a ton i mean exactly they didn't turn the ball over a ton like you said it seemed like a lot more than it was but it again it was at key points in the game mm-hmm. key points that let monmouth stay in the game uh it just seems like the general awareness uh, of this team the iq level of this team just not making smart plays in key moments i mean you look at the last minute and a half of play uh, again, Julian Champagne with a really bad turnover that, and, and Pasha Alexander yeah. saves the day. I, I mean, that could have gotten ugly. Mm-hmm. So they just—they're not making smart plays, and it's—it's uh, it's a little concerning at this point that they're having trouble closing out these games against these inferior opponents.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I don't—I don't even know if, like, I would say at this point. You know, it's it's guys who haven't played together a ton. They're still learning how to play with each other because a lot of the the turnovers are just kind of mental mistakes. You know, throwing balls away or you know making errant passes. It just it doesn't feel like there's an excuse for this at this point now. We're a month into the season. They've been practicing together for how who knows long, how long? Three four months. It just doesn't feel like there's an excuse to be this sloppy and this inconsistent uh, with the ball, w- which is what they've been.
1: No, I agree. I mean, you can say that they're going to turn it on come Big East when Big East play yeah. <laughs> starts um, but and that they're playing down to their opponents, but that's really not an excuse. Mm-hmm. I mean, Seton Hall knocks off Texas tonight, Rutgers knocks off Purdue, and then we have St. John's struggling at home against Monmouth. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 not acceptable. Uh, their defense is really going to get them in such a hole. Yeah. I mean, we talk about 40 minutes of hell, Troy. Uh, you know, hell for who? Us or the <laughs> opponent? Uh, it's, it really is just mind blowing that you know Monmouth comes in and scores eighty three points in Queens, mm-hmm. not acceptable. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and with all the turnovers that Monmouth has, for them to still drop eighty three, uh, I mean it's concerning. Mm-hmm. It really is mm-hmm. concerning. And uh, you know a win is a win. I'll, I'll take it. But you know at some point. This team has to start coming together. It's it, we're not getting enough contributions across the board. You know, the, the big thing that this with this year's team was the depth that we can have. You know, not ten. You know, ten player rotation, yeah. uh, ten players deep, and a, a few guys. You know, Wusu, Posh. You know, Stanley played good tonight. Mm-hmm. It, it just doesn't seem like collectively we're getting enough from the team as a whole.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you, I, I just, I agree 100%. The depth doesn't seem like it's there right now. It seems like they're. Being very reliant on really posh champagne and as of lately Wusu and I guess you could say Mathis as well, they don't seem like they have seven eight nine guys that they can turn to uh to you know to get them a basket offensively or to play solid defense which is kind of what we saw last year. Uh, let's talk about the rotation though. They seemingly cut out uh, Tariq Coburn and Aaron Wheeler from the rotation. Those guys don't even see the court at all in this game. So they go down to the nine man. Rotation. Uh, Stanley didn't play a ton. Pinzone didn't play a ton. So you can say that, you know, the rotation is really only like seven guys. Uh, your thoughts on, though, on Aaron Wheeler and Tariq Coburn not even seeing the court in this game?
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, it, it seems like it was a little overdue. I, I, I don't mind the decision at all. I. I... I would even say maybe Soriano should join them. Obviously, you know, we need a big, but, um, you know, not impressed by him either. I mean, I'm just not impressed with our bigs this season at all. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we've got, I thought we really added some good size, Wheeler, uh, Soriano, and, and those guys just have not stepped up. We we get killed on the glass every game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I think that at some point, you know, I don't mind the decision by Anderson. I, I think some of his substitutions have been head scratchers, but yep. you have to, at some point, You got to start just playing the guys that are giving you the most. And those guys were just not giving enough.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree 100% and, and let's stay on the negative we'll do one more negative and then we'll get into some of the positives as you mentioned Joel Soriano I'm just I'm not seeing it with him man I'm just I'm not maybe he'll come around in Big East play but as of right now it just he doesn't look like a fit on this team uh, he, he had six rebounds in this game but he doesn't seem like he rebounds enough as well uh, just doesn't seem like he's that presence that we thought he was going to be uh, but what do you see out of him tonight
1: uh, no, tonight I thought he looked okay. You know, like you said, he had six rebounds. I mean, um, but I, I totally agree. He's not a fit. Uh, he looks uncomfortable. I don't think he really has many post moves. I, I don't see really any value that he brings to the table. The guy's 6'10". And I, I there was a play that I don't really recall 100%, but he was under the basket, and he just got the ball ripped out of his hands. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have an edge. Mm-hmm. He's got great size, but he just does not use it mm-hmm. to me he's been one of the bigger disappointments on this team he's mm-hmm. just he's not again he doesn't have that edge he doesn't really play with uh he doesn't really add a ton to this offense looks a bit out of place i i really think didn't he have zero rebounds versus kansas yeah. was it not zero rebounds zero. versus kansas how yep. do you do that <laughs> so uh you know you, you look back and you just say you're ten. you got zero rebounds you had six tonight yeah. you know will be but <laughs> I, it's it's gonna be a problem he's going to get absolutely any talented big and biggest play is going to eat that man alive yeah yeah so
0: and he, and he... you know
1: i try and i try and look at the positive with him i mean uh, you know he had six rebounds as he should but nothing really special doesn't really have much of a post game doesn't really go to the basket well. doesn't really do a hundred do, do that many things well mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. i'm you know, not to come across as negative on him but just hasn't been what we thought i mean mm-hmm. we were really we were really given two bigs this year wheeler and soriano that we thought were going to be a big difference two guys that we're finally going to give st john's bigs that we haven't had in the last couple of years i mean the Mullen years whatever we always lacked that one true big thought we got two this year and we still have none.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah and i i, I just I, I hope that there's some hope for aaron wheeler uh, I think, like in situations, he can be used at least defensively. I don't know what he's going to give you offensively, but I think defensively he could maybe you know find himself in some situations. But yeah, like you mentioned, I think Soriano's been a been a disappointment uh, to this point. There's there's time for him to turn it around, but I think everything that you said to this point has been accurate about him. He just hasn't been very good for them. Um, the positives, though, as you mentioned, uh, Posh Alexander. Uh, I, I actually thought that Ade Wusu was like the MVP. Of this game. I thought that he created the most offensively, but Posh saved the game, obviously, with that play at the end. Just made so many heads up plays for them. Uh, shot seven fourteen from the field. Really was a, a threat all night offensively. Was relentless offensively. What'd you like out of Posh Alexander tonight?
1: Uh, I mean, he's just all around the ball. All around the ball. He goes hard to the rim. You know, you have to love his. Obviously, we all know about his compete, we all know about his intensity, but again, you know, he's just the motor of this team.
0: Mm-hmm. He really
1: is. He, he is just he gets this team going. You could even say he's pro- he might be the team's most important player mm-hmm. on both sides of the ball. I mean, he really is the engine that makes this team go. And, you know, he's obviously a tremendous perimeter defender. Uh, he's great in crunch time. You know, so, uh, you know, I, I can't say enough about mm-hmm. Posh Alexander. And I think that, you know, going forward, he, he's probably going to be one of their most important players, you know, in terms of the, and in terms of the positive on this team, you know, we, I know we want to shift to get a little more positive. They've won every game that they should. Yeah. So we should focus on that. They haven't dropped any games yet mm-hmm. where they, you know, where you're like, how did they lose that game? Mm-hmm. Uh, in Indiana tough loss, Kansas expected to lose, but every other game they've won, whatever. So we don't have any damning losses yet. Mm-hmm. Um, So we still have time to turn around, and I think Posh is going to be the key to that. But, um, yeah, no, I think that he is our most important player. I mean, Champagne too, but I think he really is – he really is a spark
0: plug. Yeah, and just what scares me about Posh is we've already seen with the injuries with the wrist and the, the, with the ankle or the calf or whatever it was earlier this season, it just seems like every single time he goes to the basket, he ends he up on the floor. Stay. Yeah, and that, that scares me a little bit because every time he goes to the basket, I'm holding my breath, you know?
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I mean, it's scary. He goes, he goes hard. He plays so hard. It's it's no wonder this guy is always nicked up. Uh-huh. But you know, you want to talk scary, Troy. I have I have a stat for you. Yep the the Johnny's three point defense. Correct me if I'm wrong, but they're ranked 253rd in the country mm-hmm. defending. three. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if we're gonna talk about point, you know, rebounding in that. Like we said, point of emphasis, they have got to defend the three, and I feel like that's been a problem a lot of Anderson's tenure here. Yeah, it has. They have not defended the three well. I mean, they they leave these guys wide open. Shavar Reynolds was just raining threes in that first half. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and I, and I I do think it was a little bit better tonight. The numbers the numbers were better, but I also think that Monmouth missed a lot of open shots. To be honest with you, um, <laughs> I thought that Montez Mathis though. Did a phenomenal job. I believe he was the main defender on this guy. Uh, Papas, who I don't I don't know who these players are. But the guy was averaging 17 points uh, per game this season. He was shooting 44% from three-point range. Montez uh, held him to 11 points, and he only went one of nine from three-point range in this game. Uh, I thought Mathis was really, really solid. He scored 14 points in this game, and I thought he played a really, really good defensive game. Uh, like I mentioned, I mean, Posh and Wusu are going to get the accolades, but Mathis is kind of like an unheralded MVP of this game as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think in the post game press conference too, Anderson was also saying that he liked Mathis's overall game. Mm-hmm. And like you said, I don't really know George Pappas or Pappas or
0: um,
1: <laughs> I don't know his game too well. But his numbers did look impressive coming in, and you really didn't notice him tonight. Um, you know, he had a, like maybe one or two big shots, but you really yeah. didn't notice. Um, no, Mathis is a really nice calming presence. Obviously, you can tell he's experienced. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, he plays hard on both sides of the ball. Uh, and, I mean, we saw his impact felt, you know, when they lost him against Indiana earlier this year when he mm-hmm. went out, the, the whole complexion in that game changed. You know, he is a very important piece that does kind of get lost in the shuffle. But, no, you're right. I mean, he had a very, very quiet game, but very important game um, for the Johnnies.
0: Mm-hmm, for sure. And, you know, I, I think it's no coincidence that he was really the, the one transfer that came in playing relatively decent minutes at a power five school in Rutgers and he's been the one really the only one so far in my opinion that's adapted to this system and that has come in and really played uh, well and hit the ground running like I don't think that's a coincidence you know that he's he's the one and he's he's so far been by far the most impressive of all the transfers
1: yeah no I mean exactly we talk about also um, you know uh, one thing that I think is standing out to me is Mm -hmm. that we talk about these transfers and um, obviously they were lauded in the off season, but it, what is St. John's identity at this point? Obviously they like to run in transition. We mm-hmm. saw more of that tonight. We saw mm-hmm. the kind of that tonight, even though they made it hard on themselves, <laughs> you know, do these transfers kind of fit the identity that Anderson is trying to mold. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know what their identity is yet. I mean, they haven't really shown this year that they're this great team in transition. They, mm-hmm. they showed it tonight. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's the big question for me is, does this lineup really fit what Mike Anderson wants to do?
0: Mm-hmm. No, that's a great point. But And I will say this in terms of that identity. I think tonight was the closest that you've seen to them kind of like building an identity, you know, getting out in transition, or at least what we've seen the identity of this team be in Anderson's first two years, which is, you know, play a full court game, get out in transition, force a lot of steals. Like you mentioned, they didn't convert a lot of them. But I do think that this is the closest that we've seen towards, you know, uh, uh, last year St. John's team or two years ago St. John's team in the way that they played, you know?
1: No, exactly, exactly. I mean that. It, that was the staple of uh, the teams in the past, and I, I just want to see us get back to that. Start running a little bit, mm-hmm. and just you know, I mean, again, that that defense that is in your face and forcing turnovers, and we saw it a little bit more tonight. We just haven't seen it enough this season, and that's the again, that's the thing. We need to be more consistent. That being the primary of focus.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. So assuming that these last two uh, non-conference games kind of go similar to the way that the rest of the non-conference goes let's let's say that St. John's wins both of them but both of them are kind of uneven you know uninspiring performances how are you going to go into conference play what's your overall you know vibe of this team going to be going into conference play uh, if we kind of see these performances continue over the next week
1: I'm scared. I I really am. I think that a lot of people think that they can just turn the switch on when conference play starts, like I mentioned before, and I don't think that's the case. I mean, the Big East is much better this year than I thought. Mm -hmm. Um, Seton Hall is one of those teams that they're always good. I did not think they were going to be this good. And that first game, that first conference game for the Johnnies, I can't state enough the importance of that game. Mm -hmm. I have it circled because they really – if they – continue to show in their last two non-conference games that they're a bit uneasy. Mm-hmm. I, I really think they need to come out in conference play. Seton Hall is, in my estimation, going to be ranked mm-hmm. um, when they go to the Prudential Center. Yeah. If they if they go into the Prudential Center and knock off Seton Hall, that changes everything. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's a humongous game. Um, but in terms of going into conference plays, they continue playing like this. you know, The only thing you can hope is that they're playing down to their opponent. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But, I don't think that's the case. I think a lot of it's fundamental stuff, and I think that, you know, they have got to just, they have to play with more of an intensity, and they just have to play, like, a more cohesive unit. I mean, we're seeing these teams in the Big East, uh, you know, Seton Hall, Providence has had a great start, so, I mean, it's going to be a tough sled. Uh, I'm a little nervous, I'm not going to (laughs) lie. I I had My expectations this year were pretty high, and I, I don't think that if they're playing this way, they're going to meet those expectations, but Um, you know, we'll see. I think it's, uh, again, I think I can't overstate enough the importance of that first game. It's going to be, it's going to be a really, really good test for St. John's and it's going to, it could be a season definer Mm -hmm. to open the big East, uh, with a win against a ranked team on the road. I I think they're going to need after this non-conference slate, they're going to need a win like that. At some point you're going to need a. when this team has to make a statement it has yet to make a statement they need to do it sooner rather than later
0: no you're you're absolutely correct it's going to be it's going to be fun it's going to be a little bit scary like you mentioned going into biggie's play um but we hope to have you along for the ride on this show i'm sure that we'll we'll have you on again john uh, you know you always bring the heat always love having you on and uh thank you for staying up a little bit late tonight and uh and breaking down the win
1: no problem, Troy. I'm happy to do it. I just got back from Karnasaka, so, you know, I was up anyway. Um, <laughs> and this team keeps me up at night sometimes, so <laughs> never too late to talk to you, Troy. I appreciate you having me on.
0: All right, man. Have a good rest of your night. All right, that was John Kavanaugh coming on to break down the St. John's win over Monmouth tonight. Uh, thank you once again to John one of as of right now the only four year veteran of this podcast the only guy who's come on all four years Uh, Brendan Myers will be coming on Uh, I'm I'm certain he'll be coming on at some point in the very near future so it'll just be Brendan and it'll just be John the only guys who have come on all four years uh, of this show it's a very very unique unique club so uh, we always appreciate when John when John uh, comes on to break down games but yeah that just about wraps up this show uh, again, a relatively uninspiring performance from the Red Storm once again, but a win nonetheless. Uh, they are now 7-1 and one on the season, with or 7-2 and two on the season, with two games remaining in the non-conference schedule, a Sunday afternoon game against Colgate, and then a Saturday afternoon game against uh, Pitt. Now, I will be at the Pitt game, so if you see me there, uh, definitely give me a shout. That's at MSG next, uh, next Sunday. Uh, Might be doing a breakdown of the Colgate game on this show, so just stay tuned for that. Uh, Probably won't be able to do one on Sunday after the game but might have one out by Monday morning or Monday afternoon Uh, a recap of that game so we'll see about that and then uh, we'll get into Big E's play Uh, Big E's play is less than two weeks away now uh, at this point but thank you all for listening thank you once again to John Cavanaugh for coming on and breaking it down and I'll see everyone uh, next week or in in less than a week alright, let's go Johnny's.